Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Hello, my name is Paul Friedman. I'm chair of the Department of Cardiovascular Medicine at Mayo Clinic, and I'm delighted to have with me Dr. Muhammad Al-Khuli professor of medicine, interventional cardiologist, one of the directors of our virtual and augmented reality program, who is here to talk to me today about novel forms of risk stratification before cardiac surgery. Dr. Akuli, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Before we dig into the specific work you did, tell me a little bit about your sense of risk stratification ahead of cardiac surgery. How is it typically done and why is it important? Yeah, as you know, you know, lots of patients undergo cardiac surgery, valve surgery, coronary bypass on an annual basis in the country. And um, the, the reason to do risk classification is sometimes we don't know who will do best with surgery and who should be managed with other means like transcatheter interventions or medical therapy. But that's why risk stratification is like a cornerstone in the cardiac surgery practice. The problem is, though, that the, the tools we use now are mostly dedicated to predicting 30 days outcomes. So who's gonna do better at 30 days? There's really a, a dearth of data for beyond anything beyond that, like one year, five year, we don't know. And as you know, 30 day will, will, will cover the technical aspects, but we will, when we look for symptomatic improvement, quality of life, long-term mortality, there is really not much out there. Because those kind of surgeries are fairly involved uh, and sometimes expensive and sometimes they have a big toll on patients, we would really want to know who would do best to, to give them a better advice. So that, that makes perfect sense. And so tell us about the work you did and the tool you used. Right. So, so what we did is we, we've taken about 20,000 patients who underwent cardiac surgery at Mayo Clinic over 25 years. And that was a combination of valve surgery and coronary bypass grafting. And we only included patients who are labeled to have normal or low normal ejection fractions. So nobody with cardiac, you know, myocardial dysfunction of, of significance. And what the hypothesis was, well, we know that there is a wealth of data in the ECG, as you know, as you will aware from the work that has been done in the heart rhythm department. Maybe the wealth of data uh, in the ECG can allow an AI algorithm to discern some meaningful prognostic factors. In other words, maybe the baseline ECG can allow us actually can have to, to uncover hidden data that will tell us if those patients are gonna do well long-term or not. So we have built on prior work. Uh, there, was, there was an already used and published algorithm that will become hopefully scalable and uh, usable in other centers um, that allows us to, to determine if a patient has a high likelihood of having low ejection fraction versus not. So we've used that same algorithm and we've applied it to the 20,000 patients. And what we found is that about one in five of those patients, 17%, so about one in five who have who have normal ejection fraction based on echo actually have an abnormal AI signal. In other words, the AI doesn't agree with the echo. They it says that there may be more, you know, myo subtle myocardial problem than what we know from echo. And the other 80% had a normal AI signal. And then we looked at the long-term outcomes, namely mortality in these patients. So we have five and 10 years prediction of mortality. 
And it was pretty significantly different between those with the normal versus abnormal AI signal, about 30% higher mortality if you have an abnormal AI signal. And that, that stayed put even when we classified patients by different surgeries, by subgroup analyses, it was still consistent. The signal was strongly consistent. Now, were there differences between the patients with the normal and abnormal AI-ECG? Absolutely, but we, we did, you know, a, we did the Cox regression, we did an analysis, we did the, the appropriate statistical analysis to adjust for all of the other differences. And this was still an independent predictor of long-term mortality. Now, one of the areas that has been raised as a potential pitfall for artificial intelligence applications is if you build a tool with one population, and so this tool was designed to analyze an ECG and find a weak heart pump in anybody and apply it a different use case, and you used it to look for outcomes after cardiac surgery, you can sometimes be misled because the tool is trained to look for certain things. Tell me about why you think this worked. Right. So we don't, I mean, because we're a tertiary center, a lot of our patients come from outside. So we don't have follow-up echoes over the years in all of those 20,000 patients. But as you know, the same tool has been shown before that even if you have normal ejection fraction at baseline, but you have an abnormal AI signal, you have a fourfold higher chance of having, you know, low EF over time. So we indirectly, you know, infer that the likelihood that those patients develop myocardial dysfunction later on, and that's why the algorithm worked. Do you think this might be used for predicting management in the future? And what are next steps? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, as you know, the, the main algorithm will be, uh, it's going under, you know, FDA review and hopefully will be available for other hospitals. And I think once that becomes available, we will have to validate this data using other external, you know, partnerships and and if it is, it, it is very well likely that it can become like part of the AI dashboard on electronic medical records where the baseline ECG can spit out a lot of prognostic information for those patients. It won't be the only determinant, but it can help the clinician in, in cases where utility versus futility is uncertain. Now, some people have worried that AI will eliminate the need for physicians. What's your stance on that, Rol? Should you and I be nervous? Yeah, absolutely not. I think <laughs> uh, I think it is actually the opposite. It will you will need more human intelligence to process all of this extra information that we didn't have many years ago, right? We we based all of our decisions on a, a couple simple parameters from echo or you know baseline risk factors, but now you have a lot more data. You have more informed patients and you have you need more discussions for shared decision making. So what I find now is the clinic visits are actually longer and the patients are more educated and we have a lot more data to, to go through. I mean, that's always positive, but it does need human intelligence to supplement and process all of that. Yeah, I think you and I see eye to eye on that. I've always felt it's like the flashlight at night. It helps you see the path ahead, but you're still using your own eyes. Dr. Mohamed Akuli, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Great pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast by emailing cvselfstudy at mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform and tune in each week to explore today's most pressing cardiology topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.